Welcome back to Probably About Politics. This episode, we go back to everyone's favorite, that they love that we talk about it on the show. They say, please do more and keep ignoring other continents. (laughs) They say, we want you to go to Europe. Mm -hmm. And so the fans get what the fans want. Yeah. I mean, it's Eastern Europe. It's like a different place. It is. This is not a country in the European Union. This country, uh, you probably wouldn't be able to guess what country we're talking about because you wouldn't know that they're having an election because it is debatable whether or not they are having an election, right? Yes. Yeah, and they're not shouting about it either. I, for some reason, am shouting about it. (laughs) But this episode, we're talking about Belarus. I'm feeling pretty excited about this. I feel like we've been doing a lot of Canadian election stuff. Now we're getting back into this. Yeah. We are talking about election, an election that had a ton of coverage, at least for us here in Canada. Uh, but mm-hmm. now we're going kind of to the opposite extreme. Yeah. Not a lot of coverage. Uh, not a lot of options to vote for. Yeah. Well, from a quick cursory first look at who is standing for election, you may think that there is a burgeoning uh, group of independents who basically run this country, Mm -hmm. this country of nine and a half million people, not part of the European Union, pretty sparsely populated country, kind Mm -hmm. of right between Europe and Russia to situate ourselves. Uh, Not a very corrupt country generally in kind of like the kind of typical sense of the word, I don't think. Mm -hmm. I don't think that a, a lot of people would think of Belarus and think of corruption and think of... At least I didn't when we when we went into this. I think it's yeah. I think uh, there are a lot of issues, like there are human rights issues that have oh, been absolutely. getting maybe increasing attention, um, mm. and like sort of classic uh, post uh, Soviet state uh, government problems that have have occurred. It, it's probably really sort of one of those the last few states that's kind of in, really in that like we were part of the Soviet Union and then we then that ended but we're still kind of doing that um you know it, it's it's mm-hmm. still very loyal to Russia so it, it has like the issues that might you might imagine come from that well and issues that come from being loyal to Russia but also and we are kind of seeing this is belarus kind of beginning to move in a different direction and kind of looking towards europe here despite russia's goads to not Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah and i think that is like that's really interesting because i think that's the reason that we like get to know a bit about the the human rights issues like i think Mm -hmm. when it is sort of just pals with russia um the amount that that belarus is on the radar is very low um but now that they're trying to move towards the eu like um he went their their leader went to austria and they're like hey how about uh you don't have the death penalty anymore no one else does that Mm -hmm. here um and and yeah and and i mean people have been saying that their elections are not really elections for a while now but i think that's getting a bit more traction yeah that Um, that leader kaylee mentioned being alexander lukashenko who is the president of belarus This election is not a presidential election, and it has no. deliberately been decoupled from the presidential election. Mm-hmm. The election currently being held is for the House of Representatives or the, the lower house uh, in Belarus, which 
It has the Council of the Republic, which is kind of like the Senate here in Canada, and the House of Representatives, which is more like the uh, just lower house that you'd normally mm-hmm. find. One of the few countries that we get to cover on the show that is single member representative, first past the post, very yeah. typical of what we would <laughs> expect an election to be like. Yeah. Uh, which I think says a lot about that style of election, but yeah. this is not about electoral reform, and I don't want to go there again, even though we always do. Yeah. I mean, yeah, interesting to note that they do this, and they're really only just trying to like make it look like they have democracy. So yeah, but yeah, leave it there, I guess. I don't know. And yeah. so to get to the kind of the composition of this House of Representatives, which is really the thing that is being elected, uh, there's 110 seats. Mm-hmm. Um. 107 of those seats currently held by quote-unquote government <laughs> uh, yes, members. Yeah. And for the first time, actually, it's not all 110 since 1994 mm-hmm. uh, when yes. Alexander Lukashenko <laughs> took office as president. Mm-hmm. Um, back in 2014, or the, in 2015, sorry, the election, uh, there were two opposition members who were miraculously elected for the liberal democrats <laughs> and the united civics mm-hmm. uh which people have said is this kind of you know belarus saying hey look we have an opposition <laughs> <laughs> it's not just the 93 independents and members of the communist party of belarus getting together uh and deciding everything we have independents who are tabling legislation that mm-hmm. nothing happens about but it but is there can, yeah yeah i think it was it's sort of interesting i remember i read an article and it was saying like he can do this like he could always allow two or three or like yeah. any a certain number of people to come in he hasn't until now mm-hmm. because the president has so much power that it effectively doesn't matter um and and uh but that also like he he only only letting two or three and like he could let more in and probably in the next election it like looks like he's gonna try to not let any in mm-hmm. um uh so yeah it it's an interesting move i think it is like an easy way like it the article was trying to say like if you're trying to make moves towards the eu and the one of the easiest ways would be to like let more of your opposition in and like even if they're not effectively able to do anything they can't say that you did you're like suppressing the opposition as easily it's much harder to say that and now we'll keep kind of talking about historical elections and that's kind of in air quotes uh because (laughs) uh international observers have not found fair uh, elections that have happened since 1994 in Belarus when Mm -hmm. Alexander Lukashenko came. Uh, This election should have happened next year in 2020, but was moved forward about 10 months all the way into 2019 here to to purposely kind of decouple the presidential Mm -hmm. election, which will get, will get quite a bit more press Mm -hmm. from these uh, house of representative uh, elections, these, uh, secondary body elections and so a bunch of people who were they were elected you know yeah whether or not it was fairly elected all of their terms are cut short so that uh lukashenko who uh in 2015 had 74 percent of <laughs> the uh the popular vote yeah uh can kind of run without all of this extra space where people could gain traction and whatnot 
Yeah. And I think it's it's interesting. So I think we can agree, and I don't think anybody's really particularly suggesting that this the the outcome of this election will be historic. But I think that the narrative that I'm sort of seeing in the limited press I've been able to find uh, mm-hmm. that is not like solely from Belarus, so probably pretty, uh, pretty uh, particular in its lens. Uh, it was sort of talking about there was like a protest at the beginning of November about democracy. Mm-hmm. There's sort of by moving closer to the EU, there's more of a sense of the the rights and the the, the ability to achieve uh forward progress uh, it, it's a, it's a country that is you know somewhat stuck in its situation and and has been sort of stuck being partners with Russia and has a, it, it there are some pretty interesting and maybe some would consider dangerous parallels to the Ukraine um uh-huh. uh that are sort of coming um and i think that so you see these protests for for democracy, but the art one of the articles I read said like there's not much connection between that protest, that activism, that sort of uh, upswell uh, upswell of activism and voting. Um, like yeah. the the article like even opened I think with like talking about one of the candidates running for an opposition party showing up and there just being nobody else that showed up because they just there's no belief that it matters to vote for somebody else. Yeah. But I think those sorts of those are like the ingredients, right, that start to get you. And for what I've been seeing, it's that, you know, since the mid 90s, right, there hasn't really been talk about politics in Belarus. But now these kind of surface level changes, right, mm-hmm. the surface level changes make it make the news. Mm-hmm. Oh, look, now we have two opposition members. Yeah. And now if we're in Belarus, you and I are saying, hey, wait a minute what are opposition members yeah. <laughs> and and these types of things do potentially spur on this other these other activists mm-hmm. and these other kind of lower level grassroots uh mm-hmm. movements and notably by moving this election forward what's going to happen with the presidential election is that everybody who is actually running in these activists now mm-hmm. get kind of a dry run <laughs> yeah yeah for what they have true. to do in a year now yeah and uh i think uh there is like there's definitely growing discontent with like it's been like this since 1994 it's been Mm -hmm. very state-run um things have not he's not allowed things to be like terrible which is sort of how a lot of dictators can stay in power he's sort of been able to keep things at just okay enough um but i think that yeah once you get a taste for what the potential it could be um once it gets harder and harder for him to keep it at just you know just okay um you you'll start to see like probably this presidential election won't be as easy and uh he may make it easy because there's lots of ways for him to mm-hmm. uh sort of foil foil the ballot boxes but that sort of that discontent that the in ineffectuality of your of your your ability to affect your democracy is yeah it, it always leads to bad things whether or not the outcome is something like ukraine or something like another example that i'm drawing a blank on uh <laughs> that's maybe more successful uh hard to say but uh, so, it would be interesting for listeners could you give some context to what you mean by like ukraine like what what does that road look like for Belarus? Yeah, so I guess if you think about 
so I'm sure many of the listeners sort of remember what happened in Ukraine. There, there was a state that was historically very close to Russia, who Russia um, held a lot of claim over, um, and who Russia would ra- would have liked to have forced into a much closer union. Mm-hmm. Um, and Belarus is that's almost the identical situation in terms of Russia wanting to increase their union. Russia has actually wanted to sort of make their own. Um, it's, it wouldn't be exactly the European Union, but it wouldn't ex- be the same as uh, the Soviet Union, but a similar situation, mm-hmm. again, to, to either of those. Um, and then but that requires a, a country like Ukraine to give up a, a certain amount of autonomy and control over its own destiny and resources and, and borders um, that they weren't willing to. And, and the situation got bad enough that there was a revolution. Um, they had a powerful dictator president uh who was in power for a very long time who was pretty corrupt um i think in some ways it seems lushenko uh is not the same is not the same guy um exactly but there's certainly parallels um and has perhaps he's perhaps learned some lessons from that experience so he may be in fact harder to get rid of but it and now we still have the Ukraine being in a situation where, like, Crimea has been effectively taken over by Russia, um, and they're still trying to... They're not at peace. It's been many years since the revolution has happened. Um, and and the they didn't weren't able to move closer to the, the EU, and they weren't able to move particularly closer to Russia. Um, and they're sort of stuck in that middle ground, which I think is one of Belarus's big problems, is they... They don't really want to be in the EU, but they also don't want to be the absorbed annexed. by Russia. Yeah, yeah, which you know, understandable, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's not really a whole lot to talk about on the actual election front. There's not really that many polls. No, um, there are a lot more parties actually running though now. Sixteen parties up from five, which points kind yeah. of towards that. Even though there's surface level changes. Mm-hmm. More people want to be included in the surface level, at least. Yeah, yeah. But some of the ways in which a government like this might control how elections actually happen, I thought was kind of interesting reading about this, mm-hmm. especially surrounding the early voting. Yeah, that's kind yeah. of forced to take place because in Canada, I think in, in our <laughs> Canada episode, we were talking about early voting and how it would be affected, whether or not it was affected by snowstorms mm-hmm. and Thanksgiving and <laughs> where we got our information from necessarily yes. for those polls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I found that kind of interesting that early voting was used as such a weapon by mm-hmm. by the current regime to kind of control votes. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, it was, it's a super, in some ways, this is a super interesting election to do right after we've done the Canadian election. Uh, because yeah, we, we were definitely seeing, I mean, we saw issues with early voting, but I think by and large, the outcome of the Canadian election would lead you to believe <laughs> early voting is a good idea. Like it, it gave yeah. everybody a lot of time to go, but there's like a security and confidence in the, in your voting process that exists in Canada that, um, that it's, it does not exist in in Belarus. And I think that that's like, yeah, that trust that I think is, is sort of a something to be talked about um, in we don't get into American politics, but like that was undermined, the, the ability mm-hmm. that your vote could go into that ballot and that it would be counted fairly. And 
And the the early voting does require you to trust that your system, in your system, if you go and vote on the Thursday, nobody's going to count your ballot yet. Nobody's going to touch your ballot, get counted on the day. Which, and being honest, even though I have, I feel like pretty strong confidence in Mm -hmm. the Canadian electoral system, it's really weird writing on a ballot in pencil the name Mm -hmm. of somebody and then folding it up and putting it in an envelope and giving it to a guy who puts it in a box and he's like all right we'll ship this to new brunswick sure yeah (laughs) (laughs) and it just doesn't really feel that secure you know and Uh, and i think i saw a number that something i don't know i don't recall if it was confidence in the belarusian government or Mm -hmm voting like electoral process but it was like 20 percent. like it was exceptionally yeah. low yeah i think if it, i think yeah both confidence and turnout um despite um sort of this rallying to early voting is is it's very low people just know that it doesn't really matter and if it's not going the right way they'll they will find a way to correct it for themselves um and yeah it's it's it, it it's much easier to get university students to go vote on the Thursday before the election. And then um, once you've got all their votes, switch those votes over because you got the time and nobody really believes that you're not going to do it. So why not do it? I suppose. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So that 20% number was Belarusians trust in political parties Mm. with only 20% seeing them as useful. I mean, (laughs) if since 1994, no opposition party has gotten in, I can see why you might not think that they're going to be very useful. Mm -hmm. Like, I I understand why that guy ended up in an empty room trying to tell people about his his party. It's like, well, what's the point? Yeah. And so that is, that's the election in Belarus. There will be probably more news about next year's election. Yeah, and I think it it'll be worth us going and looking at it because I I do think that truly there are some signs of of something happening in the near future or 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 like the you know the 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 whispers of of activity potentially. Yeah. There's definitely been a deterioration of relations for sure yes. between elect between uh, Belarus and Russia. And and an opening of them between the U.S. and the EU. Yeah, and that's something to look at. Let's cover 2020 presidential mm-hmm. election in Belarus. Uh, maybe some like keywords to look at if you want to like follow along at home. Uh, <laughs> kind of the the opposition party that's not really the opposition party because they're all mm-hmm. they're all independents but they kind of group this group themselves under the Balea Rus kind of banner mm-hmm. um but it's really confusing to look at seat makeups of this of this yeah. uh, parliament because there's it's like oh this party these parties got like two percent of the vote and mm-hmm. then it's like okay this only adds up to like seven percent where did all the other votes go they went mm-hmm. to independence. The independents are part of this other kind of banner, but that banner is not actually a party. <laughs> and <Yeah>. So <laughs> if was, you're trying yeah. to read along after this, keep that in mind that parties are not, and even parties that are in quote unquote opposition, like the liberal Democrats are not They're actually not really. opposition parties. Yeah. Uh, and so kind of confusing. 
<laughs> there's a whole thing for apparently like a lot of parties got a bit disbanded because the president said that you can't use Belarus in the title of your party anymore. Hmm. Um, what about so the Communist Party of Belarus and the Belarusian Patriotic yeah. Party? Well, I think they're basically his party, <laughs> so maybe that's <laughs> look. I mean, it's pretty it's pretty uh, arbitrary how some of these things work. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah, I think it's it'll be interesting to see. Like, it's interesting to think how does how does a country come back when they just do not trust? Like, it's just not useful for them yeah. to trust or have confidence in their government. They are carrying on their lives somehow. Yeah, um, and not even somehow they're carrying on their lives. It's 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 probably going well for some people, but uh, but it might be better if they had a government. But how do you how do you build from from twenty percent? confidence i guess yeah like not even necessarily like a really poor country no right and uh, so yeah. and getting how a country like this like this forms government eventually and where they move mm -hmm. is definitely interesting to look at and yeah. we'll follow along and if you want more from this make sure to read the newsletter because there will be maybe We'll put in a historical piece, hopefully, or something that gives some context to the history of maybe Eastern Europe more broadly. <laughs> yeah, but, it's definitely very helpful. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunate for this election, but as we say on the pod, tune in for the next election because who knows what could happen. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll even find an, an elected leader yeah. to cover. Yeah. Okay. So, Kaylee. Yeah. What oh, has <laughs> the Secretary General of the United Nations been up to this week? What are the phases of Ban Ki-moon's successor? Antonio Guterres. <laughs> What's he doing? All right. Um, uh, well, there's this headline that says multilateralism must weather challenges of today. Uh, he's in Bolivia. There, well, it, as you know, there's a bit of a crisis in Bolivia um, with the uh, with the coup that has occurred there. <laughs> and I, <laughs> all right, a bit of backstory on the coup that's occurred in Bolivia. <laughs> oh no, no, I'm not ready for that. Um, I think this is uh, just. I'll click on it. What, what's your science thing? Why, well, why don't we do your science thing for a second? All right, in space news. Space news. We've got a uh, disappointing bit of space news. Oh. Great. Well, here's the thing. I feel like I've covered gravitational waves previously on the show, on the pod. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, it and turns so, out they don't exist or what? Well, they, okay. So gravitational waves still exist. All the cool stuff that LIGO and Virgo have done is still mm -hmm. super dope. But you may have seen in your Twitter feed, if you follow the LIGO Twitter feed, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, the, I don't know what LIGO stands for. I'm going to guess Large Interferometer Gravitational Observatory. <laughs> uh, and so they, at their other two detectors as well, last week, they found these kind of new signals that occurred in all the detectors. And they were like, whoa, this is like really cool. This is what I was going to talk about. And came comes out today. They sent another tweet saying, mm -hmm. well, we screwed up, guys. There was just high frequency noise in all of our detectors that all matched all at the same time by accident. 
Uh, and we sent out a tweet a little bit prematurely. Uh, mm -hmm. And so everybody was kind of uh, a Twitter about it, not necessarily on Twitter, but also on other forums in which scientists okay. discuss the latest in gravitational observation. Is that uh, like a science version of Twitter? Yeah, I think it's called Twitter.com. Uh, okay. where... <laughs> so it was it was kind of exciting. Everybody's like, oh, wow, there's a new signal. This is not from black hole mergers or some cool thing happening, right? It was real big all week. All week. Mm -hmm. And so it comes out that it wasn't real. But that's science, you know, you find cool things and then you check them again because you, you shouldn't find cool things. And then it turns out that you didn't find something cool. But sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you do. Uh, speaking of people finding cool things, Kaylee, what did okay, you find out yeah. about Antonio Gutierrez? Okay, well, he's so the big thing that he has done is he spent he has sent a special envoy to Bolivia. Bolivia recently had a coup because Evo Morales who was the president there. Um, there was some, there was an, there was an election on October 20th, uh, that we didn't cover. Um, and there were really serious irreg irregularities in the results. He, hmm. he won by 46.49%. Um, and, but the percentage that he won was less than the 10% that's required to have a, a win and avoid a second round of elections. But he, he ah. declared that he'd won. So good. We're talking about an electoral system that's not only first past the post, apparently. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it is going badly. So we're being balanced. Um, <laughs> hey, we have a spin here, okay? Read it in. <laughs> Get back on script, dude. Okay, okay. Uh, it went super well. The coup didn't happen. He's sending an envoy for no reason. <laughs> I, I mean, the coup may have happened, but hey, it's still a better electoral system than ours. <laughs> uh, well, no, because we don't have a president, which, you know, there's pros and cons that you can wait. Yeah. But check out our summer schools. Yeah. To weigh them. Um, anyway, the, he. <laughs> Things are pretty uh, pretty tense there. He's he sent Jean Arnaud, uh, his best guy. I don't know if he's his best guy, uh, but that's who he sent um, to. And um, huh. it's it's being welcomed by Evo for him to send Evo Morales for him to send that okay. send him. He obviously did nothing uh, wrong. Well, I guess, <laughs> uh, but it's it's yeah that he. Uh, there's a lot of people who are on sort of both sides of it because again, it was pretty close, like 49, that, yeah. that percentage is a pretty close. So there's definitely a ton of people who are not super happy about this. Um, the woman, uh, there's a, the woman who is in charge is like the fourth person in line to be in charge because everybody ahead of her like resigned. Oh yeah. Um, because they, they didn't want to be in charge. Classic um, situation. Yeah, and Canada's officially come out as being on the side of the opposition, which is, like, interesting. Yeah, um, yeah so it, it's a tense situation, and I think that's a, – it's a pretty good example of, I think, the, the, the value of of the UN in – one of the, the values of the UN is its ability to come in and try and broker situations that are, are this close, this tense, mm -hmm. um, have a lot of outside interests. Like, I think the U.S., and Canada both have an opinion and feelings about how it should go. So there's there's that element of it. Um, and for Bolivia to become unstable in 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 Latin America is is a risk for the whole the whole the whole continent, not the whole continent, but the the region. It, it's 
not what you want. So then you can have somebody come in and broker it and, and find the right, the send your special envoy, your best guy in to go do that is a, that's a good example. Um, but yeah, wait, wait, we did not discuss whether or not it was the official stance of the pod that were pro UN. Okay. We're not pro UN, but this is a good (laughs) idea. We're not pro UN. (laughs) Okay. We're not pro or con UN. We are completely neutral all the time. You, I challenge any listener to discern a political opinion we have. <laughs> I was, and then I, I was gonna actually give it a political opinion right here. <laughs> okay, because, give it, give it that. Ruin our reputation. No, well, it's not necessarily political. Okay, it's not necessarily my political opinion. But yes. when a situation like this happens, it just mm-hmm. when you said, you know, oh well, it's forty nine fifty one opposition mm-hmm. versus one guy right mm-hmm. and you're like so obviously a lot of people are unhappy with this but just because the person that you want to win is mm-hmm. now in in power doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you're happy with the situation so like so like even more than 51 percent of the people are probably unhappy and i don't understand i mean i do understand i guess uh the people who are like oh my guy didn't win you know right Mm -hmm. (laughs) but he's in power now so i'm okay with it even though he's like broken this convention and not just convention broken this you know constitutional law (laughs) 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 that and this kind of tied back to canada which is kind of where the political opinion comes from because Mm -hmm. i think we have political opinions about canada (laughs) yes (laughs) Uh, and it, it it's that currently Justin Trudeau is now prime minister here. And a lot of people are happy about that. Mm-hmm. A lot of people that I know. A lot of people yes. that you know. A lot of Canadians yeah. generally. Sure. Uh, probably more Canadians are happy that Andrew Scheer is not prime minister than the number of Canadians who are happy that Justin Trudeau is prime minister. Yes. Even though here, the conservatives got a larger proportion of the popular vote. Right? Mm-hmm. And so... I don't want to get back on proportional representation, man, but (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of interesting. Like in a situation like that, where you say, oh, these people are unhappy. Mm -hmm. This number of people are are unhappy. I think looking, which is kind of something we talked about on the pod on our why episode of summer school Mm -hmm. from this last summer is that looking at politics in other countries kind of allows you to have a more sterile lens. Like you're a step Mm -hmm. back from it and you're like, Hey, even if this guy, like, even if you pro this guy, you should be mad about this. And mm-hmm. then you look back at your own country and you're like, oh, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. So, and I think, so we, I, we made some, I made some heavy handed statements about the UN. I am pretty, I'm pretty certain that this is a situation <laughs> where the UN is, is valuable. I, I would say arguably to a certain degree, this podcast is pro UN. Uh, <laughs> arguably. I, I we have mean, a whole episode look, on the UN? Just, just I like, mean, we have episodes on whole, a lot of <laughs> Put a whole bunch of like asterisks, you know, like <laughs> I got some issues, but but you're in a situation where a coup has just occurred coup is a military situation where Mm. the military has come in and and taken over and i think we've we've talked about elections uh where the military is in charge that's not a that's not a good thing it's not an easy thing to recover from Um, it's not yeah and now like the fourth 
the fourth most popular leader of uh is now leading the country and gonna run and run launch another election but has banned morales from running uh even though he did get a lot of the votes there's been there's probably very low confidence in the vote after serious irregularities there's a lot that has to be now worked through and coordinated and a country's systems are now I mean, I, I, I don't know this for a fact, but you can imagine in situations like these, a country's institutions and systems and constitution are thrown a bit in chaos, like they're being pushed to the extreme. Um, and so to have a, an outside organization come in and help to moderate um, uh, discourses and and support those structures in functioning is something that I think a lot of countries will need um yeah. and are like it's it's good to have um it is important i think in that one of the asterisks for for uh for the un that i would have is is the countries that are sort of in charge of whether or not it gets deployed or not um so are the are the us are china um russia like these are countries with a lot of power and a lot of opinions about bolivia and how it works out there um that are not necessarily in the interest of Bolivia. Um, so I think you do always have to be sort of skeptical about if the UN is taking a side, why are they taking that side? Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm not not an expert on this. It was really mostly just to say that that's <laughs> are, what Antonio Guterres is doing. <laughs> we are off. We are off book right here. <laughs> you well, said. That we didn't want to talk about the episode before we recorded it. And hey, you want to get are. a reread on Bolivia? We're going with that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, let's go with that uh, one. Nope. Let's go yeah, with that yeah, one. Yeah, this is fine. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if you guys want to hear more about the UN, uh, send us an email or, and we'll... Or Bolivia. Put, we'll put this much about the UN at the end of every episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but also uh, go check out our episode on the UN the UN standing for for those not in the know the United Nations yes. which started out as the failed League of Nations so there's a whole history mm. that we talk about in the episode on the UN as well which is pretty interesting actually and kind of some, full of presidential folly and people getting uh, credit for things <laughs> that they didn't do <laughs> yeah that's a yeah new, uh, new series probably about history <laughs> We'll, hey, we'll do the Cold War and then the League of Nations. <laughs> what? <laughs> Listen, we're looking to expand the podcast network. If you have an idea for a podcast, you want to be on the Probably About Network, hit us up. Maya, I know you're listening to this episode, and I know you wanted Probably About Basketball or something. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> anyway, uh, if you're not yet, follow us on Instagram. Mm -hmm. We're at probpolitics on there follow us on twitter we're at probpolitics on there if you have something else to say and you want the longer form go to a longer place which is probably about politics at gmail.com or to our website which is the longest possible name which is something like probpolitics.wixsite.com slash podcast something along those lines google us it, yeah. it shows up <laughs> and if you're unhappy with your current podcast platform check out apple itunes spotify uh google play soundcloud get the mp3 from our website you know whatever, whatever. 
Podbay, Podbean, Stitcher. I don't know which ones we're on, which ones we're not. Kaylee's always Anchor. telling me we're not on Stitcher. Anchor, there we are. That's Anchor, like our main spot. In... Yeah, that's our main spot. Yeah. But we got yeah. it in there. So anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and on all of those platforms, make sure to rate and review the show. Yes. Because uh, that helps us out a lot and helps us out even more. Uh, yeah. If you want, get our uh, mailing address. Just send us an email and then send us like a toonie or something in the mail. And yeah. that helps us out even more. Yeah. Like, uh, rate and review, it's it's directly tied to our, our confidence. So just yeah if you have greater than 20 percent confidence in kaylee and i to lead the country mm-hmm. give us a five star rate give us a thumbs up <laughs> or just say hello to us next time you see us anyway thanks for listening to probably no politics